ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, my name's Matt Brand. Welcome to the Country Hour. Today you are going to get to meet one of the team members of the Weather Bureau's brand new Agriculture Decision Support Team. So we work very closely with industry to assist farmers in making decisions throughout the year. So whether that's um, sowing and planting or whether it's harvesting as well. Um, And very much looking forward to seeing what we can do as we work together with the agriculture industry. Paul Kirby has announced that he will step down from politics. I'll tell you more about that soon. And before 1.30, we're off to Monogini Station in the VRD, which has had over 600 millimetres of rain this month. Wet. got an update on the rail line for you in just a second but quickly a message has just come through from power and water it says there's a power interruption that is affecting gunpoint howard springs johnston and Coolpinya in darwin's rural area this afternoon there's some pretty nasty storms in the region the lights it seems have gone out And Power & Water says its crews are responding. It is estimated that this will be fixed by 1 o'clock this afternoon. So in about 30 minutes' time, to all those in the rural area, I hope you are okay. I've also got a message here that's come through from Sealink. It would like to advise that its ferry service from Tiwi to Darwin has been cancelled this afternoon due to unsafe sea conditions. Information about tomorrow's service will be provided by 7 o'clock this evening. So there's some pretty wild weather in the top end as we go to air this afternoon. The ferry from Tiwi to Darwin has been cancelled this afternoon. The lights are out, it seems, in many parts of the rural area. Hopefully, you've got enough power to listen to the country hour this afternoon. Our text is 0487 99 uh, first up on today's program, let's speak to Tom Orth, who is the Acting General Manager for Bulk Central with Horizon. So that's the company that operates the Darwin to Adelaide rail line. And as you know, Country Hour fans, sections of the rail have been damaged by flooding just north of Tennant Creek. And it's actually been closed since last Friday, the 19th of January. Uh, Tom, thanks for your time this afternoon. What can you tell us about the damage to the rail? What has happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I'm sure most can appreciate, there's been a significant amount of rainfall in the Northern Territory um, over sort of the last week and a half, um, sort of preceding the flooding event. Uh, we'd done a number of things. So we had altered train operations to daylight running. Uh, we put high railers out on tracks in front of trains to ensure trains could operate and arrive and depart safely. Um, during one of those track inspections by a high railer, we identified a significant amount of infrastructure damage north of Tennant Creek. So initially it was to the tune of circa 500 metres of track where the ballast profile and the formation profile that sits underneath the ballast um, had been washed away. And then as inspections allowed better understanding of the quantum of damage, um, that's expanded to now a two to two and a half thousand metre um, section of track north of Tennant Creek. Um, quite significant. Um, the ballast profile and the formation of the track has been washed away. 
um, which which is probably something that is different to what we would normally expect in our usual weather event. Right, so 2 to 2.5 kilometres of track washed away yep. there north of Tennant. Correct, yep. Um, and so how's the repair job going, Tom? Quite well. So we obviously were, we had to wait realistically until the water levels had fallen before we could deploy crews. Um, and we had to wait until we understood the full scope of the damage. So we were planning to repair the areas that we knew about, um, but we'll also, we're also undertaking repairs or undertaking activities to understand the full scope. So in the beginning, uh, we didn't necessarily have a clear timeline for repair and recovery, but as we've been able to get in and inspect both from the ground and from the air, um, we've been really able to sort of better understand how long the rail line um, will be out of action. And I'll ask about timelines in a moment, but uh, sure. first, can you give our audience a sense on the size of the team out there and sort of what's happening at the moment? Absolutely. So um, we have multiple, uh, work, we call them work trains. Work trains um, are trains that so can deploy ballast to the rail line directly from the rail line. So we have um, multiple ballast consists out operating. We have uh, infrastructure teams that have been deployed from Adelaide, from Alice Springs, from Catherine and down from Darwin to assist um, so there is a significant team on site. We are railing in um, earth moving equipment to assist with uh, the rectification works of the, of the, for, of the structural formation work and, and sort of the ballast profiling. So there's a significant effort occurring on site. Um, pleasingly for me, it really demonstrates, I suppose, the resilience um, and, and the commitment of our team. Um, all the work to date has been done safely and without incident. Um, the risk here, obviously, is understanding the criticality of that line. You know, everyone really wants to dive in um, and solve the problem and get the rail line back up. Um, the risk is that only sort of creates more issues and incidents. Um, but the really pleasing thing for me is so far we've been able to do this in a really planned and methodical matter and manner and avoid sort of any further issues or incidents. And I'd imagine a big part of the job is getting it done as quickly as possible so that the rail line can reopen. But I wonder, do you do you rebuild it slightly different in that you build again so that it perhaps doesn't get affected by flooding the, the next time there's big rain? Um, you don't necessarily... I mean, you obviously take... You try to learn if there are any sort of glaring deficiencies in what the previous, you know, formation or ballast profiles were. Um, in a lot of these situations, though, you are rebuilding what is in place, um, already in place. I mean, the majority of our infrastructure is built to withstand significant weather events. Um, I would say that the current weather event has been far more significant than anyone has experienced in a long time. Um, we have, you know, operators that have been working with us for 10, 20 years, um, and their sort of feedback has been this has been definitely one of the more severe events they've seen in their career um so i don't necessarily see that you would rebuild it materially differently because the infrastructure as it exists today is is very well placed to deal with with your normal sort of weather events that the territory incurs and while the repair work is being carried out tom uh, rail is getting to alice springs and then it's getting trucked up to darwin how is all of that going how's the logistics of all of that um, I've actually been really impressed by the way in which our customers and sort of the industry partners, specifically the Northern Territory government, 
have really supported us um, as we've responded to this event. Um, so we've worked really closely with our customers to give them information around what we can do to support that continual delivery of critical freight into the Northern Territory. Um, we've then also worked with the government to sort of understand how we can gain access through roads that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to get access through. So they've been piloting us through um, different roads in order um, to validate sort of the safest routes to get into the Northern Territory. We are very conscious that this railway line is a critical supply artery um, to the Northern Territory. Um, and we have been doing everything we can to work with our customers to ensure that the felt impact in the Northern Territory is minimised. So you feel most freight is now getting through? Even if it it's has to go to. via rail yeah. and then truck? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So so in the beginning, it was probably all freight was heading towards Alice Springs. Um, I, mean, I think that was probably in the hope that the rail line would open up faster than ultimately it will. Um, what we've now been doing with our customers is to really prioritise that refrigerated freight or that grocery freight um, into North Queensland. So we're, we're, we're confident that through working with our customers and working with the government that we can maintain those key supply lines. Uh, into these regional and remote areas. And so, Tom, the big question, when are you expecting the rail to reopen? Um, yeah, that is, that is the big question. Um, we, we are confident that it will open towards the back end of next week. Um, that's obviously under the condition that the weather sort of holds as it is at the moment, um, but we're, we're fairly confident that by the end of, the next, end, end of next week it'll be up, up and operating. All eyes on Cyclone Kiralee. Perhaps, <laughs> yes, yes, that is is the unknown. I mean, we, we we do have a team watching that. Obviously, we have an East Coast business, um, and they are, are gearing up um, for when that crosses land. Uh, but equally, here in the Northern Territory, we are, we are watching watching and tracking sort of the direction um, of that cyclone closely. Thanks so much for your time today and keeping us up to date. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bud. I just want to thank everyone, um, all the Horizon employees and all the contractors that are supporting the recovery works um, north of Tennant Creek, um, the professionalism and dedication that everyone has shown during this difficult time has once again proven how resilient and adaptable we are as a team. Um, these events are not isolated. Um, we will recover, um, and I'm proud of the way everyone's handled the situation, and I'm grateful for the ongoing support. Cheers. That's Tom Orth, who is with Horizon. That's the company that looks after the track and rail operations on that Adelaide to Darwin corridor. So I guess the big news this afternoon is that up to 2.5 kilometres of track has been damaged by flooding. And if all goes to plan, the rail line should be fixed and reopened at the end of next week. G'day, my name is Floyd. Yeah, I work in the Spanish mackerel fishery in, in the Gulf of Carpentaria. I love what I do and love my job. And You're listening to the Country Hour. Matt Brown with you this afternoon. Are the lights back on in Darwin's rural area? Power and Water says there's been some nasty storms out that way and that the power's gone out affecting Gunpoint, Howard Springs, Johnston and Coolpinya. But if all goes to plan, it's estimated it'll all be fixed and the lights back on come one o'clock this afternoon, so in 20 minutes time. And just repeating, Sealink has sent out a message advising that its ferry service this afternoon from Tiwi to Darwin has been cancelled 
due to unsafe sea conditions. Big rain out there this afternoon. We will be speaking to the Weather Bureau at five past one to get the very latest. Before all of that, let's go to Monogeny Station now, which is in the VRD. It's about 320 kilometres to the southwest of Catherine. Now, just before New Year's Eve, the team at Monogeny were flat out fighting bushfires. And now, well, they've had around 635 millimetres of rain for the month of January big turnaround. This morning I had a chat to the station manager out there, Jack Littler. So it's looking absolutely fantastic at the moment. We um, we had a pretty rough festive season with fires. We um, fought our way through several fires all the way through to New Year's Day, which is when we got our first um, bit of a reprieve. And then ever since then, we've only had oh, two days without, without any rainfall tipped out of the gate. So we've yeah, had a had a cracking start to 2024, that's for sure. Wow, that's a really late start for the wet season, isn't it? Fighting fires after Christmas, it's a bit rough. Yeah, no, it was uh, certainly challenging. And um, as you know, we sort of um, end up with a fairly small staff base on station over the festive period. So it uh, put, a, put a bit of pressure on and it was lining up to be a pretty rough start for 24. But luckily, it, everything came through and we're um, looking very positive at the moment. And, and what sort of rain has it been like? Because after a big fire, if if the rain falls hard, it can it can wipe away a lot of country. What's it been like for you? So we've been very fortunate. The first uh, four days, I think we only had up to falls of fifty mils over the over a twenty four hour period, um, with only one fall of uh, one hundred and twenty mil in the middle there. So the rain was actually perfect for us, and there was nothing heavy. All of the creeks came up and stayed up. We didn't have um, any major flooding with us, like some of our uh, neighbours in the area. Yeah, so your old place doesn't look like uh, Beer and Doo Doo, uh, who we heard from yesterday. <laughs> no, certainly not. We were preparing for the worst, and we built a few levee banks and moved everything to the right spots. But uh, we were very fortunate we didn't end up in a position that was guys. And so. If I've got the map correct, you've got the Townsend Creek and the Armstrong River on your place. How, how are they looking at the moment? So there's a fair flow going on both of those creeks still at the moment. They were up and kept us cut off there for about seven days straight. Uh, there's a little bit of damage to those bridges at the moment, but um, yeah, as it picked after that, we've yeah we've had 735 mils for the season so far. So um, yeah, there's a certain certainly a large amount of water going down there for a property that's average is 650. Is the Top Springs pub still open? The Top Springs pub is still open. Okay. They'd be getting a little low on supplies. They're, and their only customers are probably Montagini. Well, we couldn't get there. We've only been able to get there for the last two days, so oh, right. I don't think anyone's had a chance to chance to get there, so I'd say they've been very quiet for a little while. <laughs> and um, from a cattle point of view, how, do, how does all this set you up for the year ahead, Jack? So everything's lining up to be fairly good start, uh, fairly good season for us. So um, our cattle, luckily with the rain the way it was, gave everything a chance to move out of the rivers and move up onto higher ground, which was fantastic. Um, we're seeing fantastic response across a large amount of the country. The burnt country that uh, burned over the festive period was it's a little bit behind, but hopefully a little bit more follow up in the next couple of weeks will um, see us through for the for the rest of the season at this stage. Well, all the best, and and thanks so much for your time on the country, Howard Jack. No, thanks very much, Matt.
Big thanks to Jack Littler. He's the station manager there at Monogini in the VRD. There's been some big rain in the last 24 hours to 9 o'clock this morning. I'll just share some of... Some of the larger totals with you now. Darwin Hospital has recorded 109 millimetres. Gunpoint, 135. Ban Ban Springs Airstrip, 171 in the gauge this morning. Port Keats Airport's recorded 136. Cape Wessel, 117. McClure Island, 102. Jabiru Airport, 99 in the gauge this morning. Warrawee's had 103. Fish River Station, 78. Tortilla Flats, 66. And I've got here Alice Springs Airport has recorded 12 millimetres of rain. Was that forecast? I thought the forecast for Alice was to just be hot. And it's jagged 12 millimetres, which is beautiful. G'day, my name's John Lyon, and I work with compost in the Northern Territory to help farmers improve their soils. Composts and mulches are absolutely essential to good farming in hot climates like ours. And you're listening to The Country Hour. Our text number at The Country Hour is 0487 991057. Our correspondent Bart says the power is out in Howard Springs as usual. Can you imagine how things will be when we depend on solar, wind and batteries at this time of the year? The power is more reliable in Ukraine and the Gaza Strip than it is in Darwin's rural area, reckons Bart. The Weather Bureau has got a brand new team, a brand new unit, which is called the Agriculture Decision Support Team. What's it all about? You'll get to meet one of the team members after this tune by Chris Stapleton. Right across the Territory on the ABC, you are tuned into the Country Hour. Matt Brown with you this afternoon. Now, have you heard that the Bureau of Meteorology has launched a dedicated unit that will provide weather and advice to Australia's primary producers? To learn more about this new agriculture decision support team, the Country Hour's Fiona Broom spoke to meteorologist Jonathan Howe. Yes, yeah, so I'm part of a new agriculture decision support team here at the Bureau. Uh, it's a small team, it's just two, two meteorologists, but we're a brand new team at the Bureau and dedicated to um, working with the agriculture industry. Um, we're not agronomists, but we do work very closely with agronomists and other advisors. And we actually do have an agronomist within our team um, in, in the agriculture team as well. So we work very closely with the industry to um, assist farmers in making decisions throughout the throughout the year. So whether that's um, sowing and planting or whether it's harvesting as well, we help to um, provide a bit of insight and knowledge into the climate outlook for, for growers as well. And that does include also things like um, humidity, uh, particularly um, for industries like the grain industry as well. So we're a brand new team. Um, we'd we love to we'd love to get out and uh, chat, to, chat to growers out there through Victoria and across the rest of the country. Um, but yeah, we're a dedicated team um, and very much looking forward to seeing what we can do as we work to, together with the agriculture industry. So you are a new team. You may though have already encountered a bit of uh, frustration with, from some producers who say that um, El Nino predictions from, from last year have caused them some problems within their business. How do you sort of go about addressing that and, and working with producers mm. and growers? Exactly. That's exactly right. So we definitely understand that 
many growers would have been expecting a hot and dry summer. In some places, particularly in Western, in Western Australia and central parts of the country, that has occurred. But as you move towards the eastern states, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, have, also, have of course seen a lot of rainfall and flooding over the last few months. And that, of course, is part of the challenge of some of this long-term forecasting. So our team looks at firstly, a range of different international models. So when we produce these, our, our briefings and outlooks, we look at we look beyond what the forecast is saying and try to give a bit more insight into what some of the other global international climate models are saying and give a bit of a, another perspective of what that might mean. So um, particularly as we've seen these, these large thunderstorm outbreaks across eastern parts of the country, we look beyond things like El Nino and to other climate drivers such as the southern annular mode to kind of tie everything together uh, in terms of impacts for agricultural communities. So really w- working together to provide a bit more insight. Farmers say better communication between the Bureau, agricultural industries and emergency and government bodies could help boost farmers' trust in Australia's weather predictions. Eastern Victoria livestock producer Chris Nixon says farmers in the region have turned to international forecasting bodies to plan their daily operations. Well, the issue we have is that the farmers I talk with have basically lost confidence in the ability of the Bureau to be reasonably accurate in what they're forecasting. As a result, we have farmers now, I I personally use a weather map from Finland, others use Japanese, others use Norwegian, others use the USA. To give you an example, the, the the finished one I've been watching gives rain increments in four-hour blocks for the day. It seems to be reasonably accurate on how much rain we get. It's not quite so accurate on the time of day it's, it is, but it's interesting that you know all we get is a range, a percentage in a range from the Met Bureau, so it's very hard to, to have confidence about what the hell's going on. In terms of long-range forecasts, have you had a chance to test uh, some of those other international models yet? The Finnish one does give long-range forecasts, but I haven't had a chance to... I've only been watching it for the last month or so, so I haven't had a chance to compare what its long-range forecasts are uh, compared to the METs. As time goes on, I'll, I'll learn to see what it's like. I'll compare the two as we go forward. With the Bureau's new Agriculture Support Unit, what do you think they need to take into consideration when they're thinking about their operations? We have farmers who are trying to do hay and silage and, and relying on the Met Bureau's forecasts on, on the windows of opportunity to do that. So accuracy is, is the greatest support they can do. I mean, we need accurate information. If they, if they don't, we don't need it translated. We just need the information. We can make our own decisions on whether what they're giving us is a, an opportunity or not. Automated flood watches and telling us that you're in for a minor, major flood heights, which are going to be changed. Yeah, you know, we're all very upset by that. You know, farmers have been here for 100 years. We know what our flood levels are. Just give us the raw data. We can make our own decisions from what needs to happen from there. That is cattle producer Chris Nixon speaking to Fiona Broom about the Weather Bureau's brand new agriculture decision support team. Got a text here from Dave. He says, Matt, I was at the Alice Springs Airport yesterday afternoon to see that rain and lightning. Dave says planes were delayed for an hour or so. Luckily, the bar was open and we all got by, <laughs> says Dave. That's the go. Zero four eight seven double nine one zero five seven. There was a little bit of rain around Central Australia yesterday. I see Mount Lloyd got six millimetres, Hugh River four, Javois four, Bond Springs three, and yes, 12 millimetres at the airport there in Alice Springs, which is great, which is great. We will be speaking to the Weather Bureau 
at five past one. But if you are listening to the Country Hour right now via the old-fashioned radio, uh, you're about to lose the Country Hour because the cricket is getting ready to start over in Brisbane at the Gabba. So if you're listening via the old-fashioned radio, you're about to be whisked away to the Gabba. The Country Hour will continue to broadcast, so if you'd like to stay listening to the Country Hour, you need to be listening via the stream, so via the ABC Listen app, or maybe pick up our podcast later on this afternoon. My name's Brett Gill. Um, my wife Suzanne and I farm and have cattle on Mullalungui in the Douglas Daly area, the top end. You're listening to the Country Hour. Matt Brown with you this afternoon and the lights are back on in Darwin's rural area which is good news. Our correspondent Bart says the power's back on Matt but there's been no storms, no wind, no lightning, no bats, just crap supply. Same as it ever was, says Bart this afternoon. Another message here via the text line 0487 991057 and this comes from Matthew who's at Nooka this afternoon. Matthew says, rain all around Nooka. The Wilton and Roper Rivers are on the rise. Few Big Barra on the bite at the Roper Bar, reckons Matthew. <laughs> now there's the hot goss. That's the kind of weather report that we like here at the Country Hour. Appreciate you tuning in, Matthew. Thank you very much. Tight lines this afternoon. Now, the former Territory Ag Minister and current member for Port Darwin, Paul Kirby, he's announced today that he is stepping down from politics. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. And we'll also head across to North Queensland as residents, farmers, everyone gets ready for Tropical Cyclone Kiralee. On the topic of weather, let's go to our own weather bureau this afternoon. Rebecca Patrick is there this afternoon. Beck. Wet, wet, wet. There's been some decent falls in the 24 hours to 9am. What are some of the best ones? Yeah, there certainly has. Um, Banban Springs is the highest to 9am this morning with uh, just over 170 millimetres. So quite a decent drop, um, mainly with a a storm yesterday evening. Um, Port Keats has also picked up 136. Gun Point with 135 um, even the, the Darwin area, um, Darwin Hospital with 108 millimetres, although it was um, definitely higher on the coast than on the in the inland areas around the Darwin area. Mm. We got a message from Dave earlier on who said he was at the Alice Springs Airport yesterday afternoon when the rain came in and there was some lightning and planes were delayed for an hour or so. The bar was open, so Dave wasn't too perturbed about all of this. Um, that rain in Central Australia, um, did that come out of the blue a bit for the Bureau? Um, no, we were expecting storms down through that area. Um, okay. they, they did sort of develop late afternoon, evening, um, but it was quite active through that area. Um, lots of lightning strikes. Uh, in terms of that rainfall, Alice Springs picked up 12 millimetres um, and elsewhere sort of around that... Um, probably less than 10. Um, yeah. Elliot also got 10 millimetres, a little bit of rain. And um, if it took the sting out of the air, it was only for a moment. I see uh, Alice Springs again today expecting a top of 41, tomorrow a top of 38. Yeah, that's right. So still um, pretty hot conditions over those southern areas. Um, 
But a little bit of a change coming through tomorrow, uh, only dropping temperatures back to the sort of the high 30s over the weekend, but at least it's better than the low 40s. Yes. (laughs) Now, we've still got a moderate flood warning in place for the Daly River, a flood warning in place for the Victoria River, a marine wind warning in place for Arafura Coast and Gove Peninsula Coast. I've mentioned that Sealink has cancelled its ferry service this afternoon from Tiwi to Darwin. Anything we need to know at the moment in regards to to that uh, (laughs) flood of warnings I've just mentioned? Yeah, um, so Daly River... Uh, did reach moderate flood level overnight. Um, hasn't quite peaked yet, so that's expected to peak over the weekend, but staying at that moderate level, um, but might be a little bit higher than uh, than what it got to last week. Um, as you mentioned, we've still got that flood warning for the Victoria River, but those um, levels are on their way down, which is good news. Um, and yes, as you mentioned, coastal waters, um, strong winds over the, the northern coastal waters there, um, uh, as well as a lot of rain. So yeah, yeah, not the best conditions to be out in a boat. I've just been sent a picture from Timber Creek. It's an aerial photo and it shows the poor old museum water right up to the roof, um, which is just awful. We heard from one of the curators a day or so ago who fears that um, a lot of really important historical pieces have been lost in this flood, uh, which mm. is just awful. Um, I, uh, I personally haven't heard from anyone in Timber Creek this morning as to what the river is doing. Have you got a sense on if at the township it is on the rise or falling? Yeah, I believe it is going down. Um, they didn't get as much rainfall yesterday, which is, is good news. Most of the heavier rainfall was further north from them Um, so generally things are are decreasing um, for them as well Um, yeah so hopefully hopefully this is the worst of it Um, most of the heavy falls over the next few days are more likely to be over the the top end areas particularly the the northwestern parts of the top end yeah now let's talk about uh, tropical cyclone Kiralee over in Queensland what's the latest yeah so um she is still uh, out to sea, the Coral Sea, um, is expected to move towards the, the Queensland coast tonight, making landfall relatively close to Townsville um, overnight as a Category 2 system. Um, interesting for the Territory, though, is it is expected to continue moving westwards over the coming days, and we might see the remnants of that as a, as a tropical low moving into the Territory next week so just a bit of a um a watch point for next week that there could be some reasonable rainfall associated with that coming through most likely the Barkley area yeah wow. um, early in the week so um yeah just be mindful of that particularly if there's people traveling coming back from school holidays and, and things like that um that yeah you could see um roads affected with um uh, both in Queensland of course and, and coming into the NT yeah the current forecast tracking map for this system has it going close to Townsville and then really steaming inland south of Hewarden as a tropical low and then swinging further west towards the Northern Territory so it could be anything could be anything uh, any anything else we need to touch on before you go back 
I think that's that's the main things. Yeah, just uh, yeah, be mindful of uh, a lot of water over the roads at the moment. Um, check the latest road reports before before heading out. Thank you very much. Hey, quick pop quiz. What's the population of Townsville? I have no clue. No clue. In the ABC report a moment ago, it said the Townsville population is 190,000. Um, and, and that's correct. I just, oh, I'm surprised. I would have got that wrong in trivia. I, yeah, I guess okay. I assumed similar size maybe to Darwin, but 190,000 in Townsville. Big place. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you go, you Beck. Go. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, Matt. Hello, this is Di from Denison. We're 320 kilometres from Alice Springs in the Tenamai region and you're listening to Country Owl. Uh, for those interested in the cricket there at the Gabba, the West Indies have won the toss and elected to bat. Blue skies, beautiful blue skies there at Brisbane. Apparently it's a bit hot. It may get wet, though, in the coming days. Uh, to all of you who made the switch from the old-fashioned radio to the stream so you can keep listening to the Country Hour, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, let's get on with it, hey? So let's go to North Queensland where residents are bracing for this tropical cyclone. As Lucy Cooper reports, everyone is getting ready and there's mixed feelings about what heavy rain and wind could mean. As the second cyclone of the season forms off the North Queensland coast, farmers and graziers are preparing their properties for torrential rain, possible flooding and strong winds. Grazier Don Heatley of Burn Valley has been through his fair share of cyclones and flood events, so this time round he's feeling prepared. Our fence lines are in a lot better shape these days. We've got better, stronger buildings. Um, I mean, our roads will still get cut off with roads. It doesn't matter how good they are. But at the end of the day, it just gets down to the preparation. And, and I mean, I suppose if you wanted to, you could take it fairly cheap and say that this one at the moment looks like it may not be a, a serious blow, but there could be a whole lot of rain involved. With his property on the banks of the Burdekin River, one may think that the threat of flooding would be on his mind. But it's actually the prospect of more rain which has the seasoned grazier excited. Christmas Day was the first decent rain we had. We had 25 mils Christmas Day, which was a, a nice thing to wake up to. But, you know, all in all, since sort of, you know, say December last year up until now, you know, we wouldn't have had five inches of rain and it's been spread out, but we have not even had to think about going out and pulling up flood crossings and uh, dams haven't shifted, haven't risen at all. It's just, yeah, whatever rain comes with, 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 this, uh, with this event, we'll take it. Further west at Charters Towers, Ben Benetto of Virginia Park Station also hasn't really experienced much of a wet season. It kicked off really well. It, um, it was looking good early on. There was... There was a good bit of rain late November and that was followed up with um, rain through December. So it sort of went against the narrative of what everyone was um, sort of looking at with dry and whatnot. Um, so it started very well, but yeah, it just, you know, it hasn't sort of continued in this area in the last few weeks. There's been isolated areas, I guess, that... Um, that have received, you know, done better than others, but certainly in our little pocket here, it's it's very dry at the moment. 
He too is excited by the prospect of what may come with the cyclone. We could definitely do with a, a good drop this week. Um, you know, you, you never want, you can never pick and choose these things, but, um, you know, a couple of inches would be fantastic if we end up with eight or ten inches, um, so be it. Um, but, you know, there's only so much rain, that, so much moisture that can soak into the ground at any one time. So, um, so you know, too much rain will just inevitably get wasted down the creeks, but um, we will take what we can get. Without a decent drop, he will look to sell cattle, but he doesn't mind if rain also means a cyclone rolling through his property. Rain desperation at its best. Whatever may come will come, and um, we will definitely not be... Um, you, you won't hear us complaining if we end up with some sort of flood event here or whatever it could be. Um, we will take the good with the bad and just... Um, Yeah, like I said, we'll just be hoping to get some rain at the very least. Closer to Townsville, Helen Hill owns the world's first commercial plantation of the Bolivian tropical fruit achacha. The much sought-after delicacy is only picked once a year, very soon in fact. Our trees are loaded with fruit, but because we've had quite a lot of rain and, and cloudy days, we've been waiting for a few more days of sun to sweeten the fruit up. Um, so it just needs to ripen a bit more and then we've got um, we've got all our pickers lined up and waiting to pick. But th- then, then, of course, we've got the threat of this fl- cyclone, so we don't quite know what's going to happen. That is Helen Hill, who grows achachas in North Queensland, speaking there to Lucy Cooper. It's 18 past one and you are tuned into the Country Hour. Making news this afternoon, the Prime Minister has revealed that Australia's consumer watchdog, the ACCC, will conduct an inquiry into supermarket pricing. Anthony Albanese spoke at the National Press Club a short time ago. Let's have a listen. And today I announce that the Treasurer will be directing the ACCC to conduct a 12-month price inquiry into the supermarket industry. The ACCC has significant powers and it is the best and most effective body to investigate supermarket prices, to look at how things like online shopping, loyalty programs and changes in technology are impacting competition in the industry and to examine the difference between the price paid at the farm gate and the prices that people are paying at the checkout. For me, it's this simple. When farmers are selling their product for less, supermarkets should be charging Australians at the checkout less. Today I also announced that the government will fund consumer organisation choice to provide shoppers with a clear understanding of how supermarkets are performing on this score. Because across thousands of products it can be hard for people to find the best deal. We are backing Choice, renowned for their commitment to consumer fairness, to provide clear and regular information on prices across a basket of goods. This will promote transparency, enhance competition and drive value. There you go. That is the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, speaking at the National Press Club. Big news. The ACCC will spend the next 12 months looking into supermarket pricing. What will it find? We'll have to wait and see. But that is big news this afternoon. Also big news today is that the former NT Agriculture Minister and current member for Port Darwin, Paul Kirby, he's announced that he will be stepping down 
from politics. In a message that was posted to his Facebook page this morning, he says, I announced that after much deliberation with my family, I will not run in the upcoming Territory election. This has been a very difficult decision and one that I've not made lightly. He says, it has been one of my greatest honours and a privilege to serve as the member for Port Darwin over almost eight years and I will continue to be a strong advocate and representative for the remainder of my term until later this year in August. In my time, he says, I have advocated for and championed a large range of projects to better activate and revitalise Darwin CBD, Waterfront, Cullen Bay and Larrakia. There are so many highlights that I am proud to be a part of. He says, being a minister for almost five years during COVID times and beyond was a massive challenge. People that understand the complexities in the range of portfolios that I held will understand why I'm extremely proud of the many major achievements in these areas. He says, I've always endeavoured to live and work with purpose, and I'm proud to have made a meaningful contribution in my time in Parliament. However, this job is not a forever job, and the time is right for my family and me to take on some new challenges. I look forward to being a more present husband, father, and soon-to-be grandparent. Cheers, Curbs. That was some of the message posted this morning by... The member for Port Darwin, Paul Kirby, former Territory Ag and Mining Minister, he has announced he is stepping down from politics. It is 24 past one and you are tuned into the Country Hour. Supermarket shelves were looking pretty bare at the start of the week after roads and the rail line were cut because of that flooding. But it created an opportunity for some businesses. Jason Skedden runs a butcher shop in Catherine and says he's had a very busy week. We've been fairly organised that we do carry a excess of meat most of the time, you know, about 20% excess for, for cases like that. So, so yeah, we were lucky that um, our truck only was delayed for Probably only about five hours, six hours. It was meant to come in on the Sunday or the, the Saturday night and it came in on Monday morning. So we were pretty lucky, to be honest. You said people were, were overbuying. You had a boom. Well, that's it. That's it. Look, um, as, as we found out, like the, the railway tracks actually were cut off as well. So therefore, most of Woolies, which comes up on the railway, had to be dropped off and then they had to truck it up. And then unfortunately, a couple of the Woolies truck actually got bogged on the side of the road on the way up, So which... Um, delayed those guys for a bit better so but um you know so but we had a sort of influx of all our Woolworths customers I, I call them is that generally a good thing oh look look um it is it, it's a good thing in the money side of things and that sort of stuff you know we were probably 20 25 up for the day and look it only lasted a day this time because Woolies restocked their, their shelves on that Monday night for Tuesday but but like in in the end look it's, it's not a great thing just for the simple reason. I've got my local customers that I've been dealing with, you know, um, you know, Trent from Rod and Rifle's been with me for 10 years. You've got Mal, you know, you've got everyone, everyone that sort of comes in and that sort of stuff, the Paddo boys and dad and all that. So all my local people and that sort of stuff and the local businesses support me really well. But the problem is when all the people that usually shop at Woolworths all of a sudden um, there's no meat at Woolworths and they come and see me, well, then my, my local customers sort of miss out. So it's in a sense it's a bad thing because old Bill Trent from Rod and Rifle can't get his T-bone steak or his rib cutlet for Saturday afternoon barbecue. So those Woolies buyers, did they, did they make anything out of stock in particular? 
Oh, look, look, we look. It, it always is when that, when there is a um, shortage at Woolworths. Um, we always do sell a lot of our our mincers and our sausages. So our they call them the staples. So your mince sausages, chops, and you know sometimes a cheaper steak and that sort of stuff. But but because we you know we only supply to probably about woolies supply to about eighty percent of the market, and, and we probably only got about twenty percent of the market. Um, you know, when when the other eighty percent starts shopping at us, it sort of you know takes away nearly most of our meat. And so we'll be seeing a truckload of rain coming through the Barclay potentially this weekend and Monday and Tuesday. Are you, are you prepping, prepping for anything for another maybe well, another boom? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's funny you say that. I've spoken to my, uh, you know, me, me uh, uh, the guys that do all the ordering and that sort of stuff in the butcher shop and that. And uh, our meat is coming in again this Saturday, ready for next week. So we'll have lots of lamb, lots of pigs, lots of beef. Expecting that there may be a delay here or there, um, and that because I've been tracking the cyclone. I'm actually over in Queensland at the moment, about three hundred kilometres away from where the cyclone's going to cross the paths. And then it's going to go all the way to Mount Isa, straight across the Barclay, and uh, I think it's going to knock on Tanner Creek's door about Sunday or Monday. So fingers crossed my truck gets through Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and I will have plenty of meat for everybody. That's Jason Skadden, who runs a butcher shop in Catherine, speaking to Jan Kahoot. I wonder if the shop's been selling some extra lamb ahead of Australia Day. It is a public holiday tomorrow, but like... Farmers, like the majority of our audience, the Country Hour will be on your radio tomorrow. So I look forward to chatting to you then. If you missed the start of today's Country Hour, then you missed our conversation with Horizon. So it's the company that operates the rail line between Darwin and Adelaide. We were told that up to 2.5 kilometres of the rail line north of Tennant Creek has been damaged. There's crews out there now. And if all goes to plan, it should reopen at the back end of next week. We, we are confident that it will open towards the back end of next week. That's obviously under the condition that the weather sort of holds as it is at the moment, um, but we're, we're fairly confident that by the end of the next end, end of next week it'll be up, up and operating. Yeah, so that was Tom Orth who we spoke to earlier on in the program. If you missed all of that, it'll be up on our podcast later on this afternoon. Stay up to date throughout the afternoon to the ABC as, of course, things start to get very interesting over in the North Queensland coast. Lots of rain in the top end as well, so a few flood warnings are still in place. Lots happening. Thanks for tuning in and keep it rural.